Um, so today we have uh, DJ Epic. Thank you for coming. And you just came off the road. Yes. For four days. And we appreciate you squeezing us in your busy schedule. Um, so how did you get into DJing? Uh, so I think I've been DJing for 14 years. Um, I started my um, freshman year of college. Um, I was involved with actually a campus ministry, and um, they were like, okay, you have an Apple computer, then you probably know how to run music and stuff, and I had no idea how to set a PA system up or anything. In our weekly meetings, they would ask me to set up the PA and run the music before and after, and uh, I just remember the first time, I had no idea how to set it up, I was just pushing buttons (laughs) and stuff. And so we did, me and a friend of mine did that for a few months, and we'd play just regular music before and after each meeting. And we were like, well, we do the same thing DJs do. And so I started DJing my freshman year at college and then went ahead and took me five years, but graduated. And then um, after I graduated, I got a degree, but I was full-time DJing. I got you. When did, who helped you become a DJ? Was there anybody particular, like your friends oh, yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, one guy that was big help was DJ Charlie White. Oh yeah. I've yeah. Heard, yeah. He's good. Yeah. He was, um, in there for the first year. And, you know, he did that thing with Lemonade. Yeah. I, I brag about him all the time. I was like, oh, my friend produced this song. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a big deal. That's what I was wondering. Like, you know, when people get going, some people don't get any help. And they just say, fuck this. No one wants to hire me or anything. So were you like, did you DJ with him? Or did you just? It, he didn't necessarily like, teach me how to DJ. But he was more in like, this is the um, this is the, the gear you need. This is how you get right. started. Um, but yeah, it, and back 14 years ago, you didn't have YouTube channels where they teach you how to beat match and get music and all that stuff. And, and so you kind of, you got to fake it till you make it for the first two or three years. I sucked as a DJ, but I just kind of like played what they wanted to hear. And, and I had a lot of success early on, but I was not very good. So when you graduated, you said that you wanted to, you were going to be a DJ. You're not going to use a degree. No, yeah. So I just use it for myself. Um, okay. A graphic design degree. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, but I was making so much money DJing when I graduated. I was like, well, I'd rather work three nights a week than a nine to five, and I can make the same amount of money. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of money in what you do, and you know, some some people locally. I mean, I don't know exactly what they make and shit, but then you know, they they do pretty well just working the weekends. Let's say whatever bar, you know, mm-hmm. or before COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but like, so I know we talk about COVID and it's still happening and people are getting tired of listening to it, but you know, you've been directly affected. Like some, most of, a lot of some of our other guests, you know, by COVID. I mean, I remember before COVID happened, you were DJing here in town, what, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. I think, right. Mm-hmm. I think that was the schedule and just different spots. You would go from this bar to that bar to this club or whatever. What did when COVID hit? Like, what was your reaction? Like, when they say, "Hey, man, we we can't do this." Like, what, what were your thoughts? Well, I was optimistic through the whole thing. You know, it's like, okay, it's only gonna be two weeks. This sucks. Really mad about it. It's over. You know, it's, it shouldn't be here. We should just be back to normal. And then two weeks turned into six weeks, right? Two or three months, and um, then they started coming out with the PPP loans and a little bit of assistance. And I was just kind of barely getting by. And actually, right before um, the shutdown, we signed a contract to build our build a house. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I was actually going to have the biggest three months um, financially-wise um, DJing 
that I was ever going to have. And it was all gone. So how did you recover from that? Like, I mean, I, don't, you so, don't get personal. If it's no, the first question. I'm no, sorry. Well, but like, so I'm, I'm, I'm very good at saving money. Um, okay. actually I bought a house probably six or seven years ago and I bought a foreclosure and I flipped it and lived in it for like five years. So we sold that right before the pandemic and actually doubled my money on it. Oh, wow. That's nice. awesome. And so I had a lot in the bank on that. And then, um, that was helpful to get by, um, over the summer when we were about four or five months in, I started picking up some odd jobs here and there. A friend of mine owns a construction company, Rowdy Leg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Rowdy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like, yeah. I mean, I know of him. I don't yeah. know him personally. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, um, he, he's killing it. Yeah. I need to get that guy on here. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a good one, too. Um, man, every time I see some uh, post by him or something, it's, you know, they're Picking up these materials, doing that, building this, you know, whatever. But I always joke. I always text him like, Rowdy, do you actually even work? You know, because every time I see you post something, I always see a bunch of other people in the pictures doing the work. You're just yeah. taking the pictures, you know. So, so, so funny. He, uh, <laughs> he is busy doing paperwork so much. He has right. so many like projects going on. He hired me to just drive him around. Wow. So I drove. It. Yeah, that's, that's a bad. good friend right there. Yeah, I drove his car around all day, and then he would sit in the um, passenger seat and just do the paperwork and make phone calls and stuff. Holy shit! I mean, you know, him and Roger fucking murdering it right now, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. that's a good friend right there. You know, hey, you know, yeah, drive me, and I can I can <laughs> yeah finally do some paperwork and shit. But um, so what did you do after that? Did stuff stuff people start calling you or um, something? About then, about six, seven months in. So Memphis opened up a little bit more over the summer. We kind of got by, and then they shut down. And then I started working for Rowdy a little bit. And then after that, Alabama opened up. And I had some contacts in Alabama, so I just reached out, and I said, hey, I'm wide open, available. Um, have me, you know, I'll come down and DJ as much as you want. And they were down for it. So That's good. So where 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 all have you been? Like what states or cities okay. or whatever? Yeah, so – I DJ a lot of college events. Um, my booking agent books me at a lot of different colleges. So I've all over the South, I've DJed as far as University of Clemson, as far north as Indiana University. Oh, wow. University of Oklahoma and down to Texas A&M. So in everywhere in between. That's crazy. Like you wouldn't think they would bring up, I'm not saying that, you know, mm -hmm. you're, I know you're good. So I'm not saying that you mm -hmm. suck. Like, oh, just, well, it's crazy that they would bring you a DJ like you from Memphis or just yeah. you, a Memphis DJ to DJ in say Tuscaloosa or when I'm sure there's, you know, another kid or something. But since I guess, because you're a nice person and you have relationships, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you had Kelly Potter on and he was hinting around a lot of this. I think a lot of success and anything in life is about relationships. Right. So, 100%. Um, as long as you're just a cool, genuine person and you really care, like and you build that relationship, you know, you're going to have that client forever. Yeah, that's um, I mean, that's really awesome. So when you sucked as a DJ, as you yeah. said earlier, like, did you think you were gonna keep on doing it, or you're like, man, uh, this is, or did people say, hey, man, you fucking suck? Like, we thought you were better. No, I probably some guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, the girls probably could, didn't even know what you know because when I started DJing, there wasn't it was my market and the college market it was more about live bands and the djs were just kind of in the corner right. they weren't a big deal so you couldn't tell a good dj from a bad dj unless you're in like a bigger market um and i was so i was 
through college, I did census Thursday nights. Oh, man. And uh, George over there, I reached out to him. And um, census, you went back in their heyday. Yeah. And they were open for like nine or ten years. And then it kind of died down around the eighth or eighth year. Um, they weren't doing anything on Thursday. So I went to George and I said, hey, George, the owner at the time, there's no college night anywhere in town. Would you give me Thursday night? Um, and this is like I just started DJing. Um, I'll hire some promoters and um, we'll we'll build your Thursday night. And he was down for it. And so that kind of in the DJ market in Memphis kind of put me on the map um, amongst the DJs. I wasn't good, but I got a lot of respect from the other DJs around and like the radio stations and stuff. And um, so I was, that went good for about a year and a half, and then Electric Cowboy came in and killed us. <laughs> I remember that because yeah. they were doing their they college did, night. Yeah, and um, and so they they dominated, and then George just couldn't keep the building open anymore, and that was before I had a booking agent. And so I was like, Ole Miss is just down the street. So one night I was like, I'm just going to go to Ole Miss and just introduce myself to all the bar managers. Ran into one guy, um, and he was like, okay. I like you. I don't know if you're any good, but are you open next weekend? Right. I said, sure. So um, went in and DJed for him for him for like 200 bucks. And um, come to find out, he was connected to a booking agency in Nashville. And he, they were looking for good quality, not necessarily good DJs because I wasn't good at the time, but just a good guy that's professional to right. come in and get the job done. And um, so that's when I joined on with them. But yeah, right before, in between that, window of losing census and getting on with booking agent. And I was about to throw in the towel and just go into the professional graphic design world. Mm. So can you tell us about your, um, booking agent, the company? I looked it up, so I know the name. Of it. Um, <laughs> it's, um, give me a second. It's Crest Moon Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. You did some research. <laughs> I did. I did. I came a little prepared. Yeah. Um, they're just the booking. I wouldn't, I like to, be fancy and call them my agent. Right. But they're not like a hands-on agent. Um, now I've been with them for so long. I'm their go-to DJ. And so right. I'm there. If I can't do it, they'll go somewhere else, but they ask me first and I have other agencies that I'm not contracted with them, but I have other agencies that reach out and I'm always like, well, Hey, these guys have been so good to me. I'd love to work with you, but let's just go through, like, we'll go through them first, you know? So it's, it's kind of like a respect thing. Um, and they, they this a lot of this is pre-pandemic because right. post-pandemic I haven't done much much a lot of my bar gigs I just personally book so they'll book the booking agent will book me like the the private fraternity events or um, high school dances and stuff like that um, but pre-pandemic they were bringing in about sixty to seven percent of my gigs now they're bringing in probably twenty percent of my gigs so do you think you're gonna Keep on using it, but maybe not as frequently. To maybe just shoot your email to the, the bar manager or something or like that, or yourself. Or what? Um, well, the bar managers, I'm going to keep those contacts, but the bigger money is through the agencies. Because oh, okay. like, if, if I go up to a bar, they're just going to give me the normal DJ rate. But if I have an agent call the bar, it looks better, and they'll just give me a better rate. Mm. Um, now, my bigger money shows are during the football season. SEC football season. Oh, big time. And so Alabama and Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Auburn, they're all expecting to be full capacity football season. So I'm just crossing my fingers that those parties will come back. They should be. I mean, like, what's the party weekend? I mean, it's every mm -hmm. weekend, but um, Bulldog weekend or that's, something like that. Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Right, yeah. I remember 
20 something years ago yeah. when we used to go to Starkville and Ole Miss all the time. Um, we were there for one of those parties and dude, it was the whole weekend. It was fucking chaos. Oh, they put so much money into those things too. Yeah. And those, and those for, uh, you know, and a lot of people probably know this, the fraternity houses, you're a fucking garbage. I mean, straight up garbage. Like the ATO house, I don't know how I still know this, but I, <laughs> I heard some other people talk about this not too long ago. They still have that hole in their living room that was there fucking when we were 19, 18 years old yeah. going to the ATO house. When I was in college, I was DJing there for like $200. And yeah, it was the hole. It was terrible. Now they renovated it. Okay. So it's Alpha Gam has it. And I think they're forcing Alpha. Don't hold me to this, but I think the Schwartys, they're forcing them back to their on campus. Yeah things so ato still owns the house i think ato is going to try to come back i got you because the the sororities are over there on central that be on that mm-hmm. back part of that parking lot right mm-hmm. over where those houses and they, are and stuff i heard that they kept raising their rate <laughs> and it got way too high and they felt like oh well, you know you can't go anywhere and then alpha game was like well yeah we can <laughs> yeah that's fucking crazy so what's your style when you dj um open format um so a little bit of everything um, just the bangers. Um, when I do my fraternity events, you get into a little more of the EDM stuff. If I do the bar gigs, it's more just easier dance to. Um, being from Memphis, I do play comparable um, to other DJs in the similar market as me. Um, I play a little more hip hop than they do. Now, I don't play a little like the Memphis DJs play a lot more hip hop than I do. But when I go to Ole Miss or Mississippi State or these other places, I do play a little more hip hop than the other guys that would get booked similar to my level. So are there, is there, so when you, when you're DJing, say a tin roof mm-hmm. on Saturday night, like you used to all the time, um, are there, is there a style that, I mean, not a style, but like, are there certain things that you just know you're not going to play because it's going to, it's going to fucking <laughs> cause a riot in that motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you'll play it in Starkville. No problem. Yes and no, but Memphis market's gotten a lot better. Um, Early on in Tin Roof, I was very cautious on what I played. But mm-hmm. then later, after we kind of changed the mindset of the room and, and the clientele was great, you know, I could get away with playing a little bit more now um, and not have a bunch of issues and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, you know, what was the uh, Three Six Mafia fuck the club up? Oh, did a club uh, up? Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, that shit happens. Yeah. That shit happens. That was the one. Nope, can't play that. Now, now, now! I think Travis Scott has a new song with the sample in it, and a younger DJ, a good friend of mine, he was playing it. I was like, "Oh, you're playing Tear the Club Up?" He's like, "No, this is a Travis Scott song." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "No, it's not, my friend. No, it's not." That's a, you know that you know when you see stuff like that or your stuff like that, you're like, "No, it's like uh, the guy Mad Dog that made the video." of the ocean spray and the skateboard uh-huh. you know nobody a lot of these people 90 yeah. percent of the people that were sharing the video had no idea who who fleetwood mac was yeah or and, is I should and say. i got another story so i was playing knuck if you buck and yeah. a girl came up to me and said why are you playing juju on the beat remix <laughs> <laughs> wow okay so when you when when you when you're djing and it's you know the club everyone is feeding off your music and stuff like that when do you feed off their energy too? Yeah. It's sure. the crowd sucks. Like, yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. So I was just DJing last night in Troy, Alabama and the room they have there, they have this DJ booth really high up and 
yeah, idea of the DJ booth really high up, looking over, it sounds cool. But I was like, guys, I'm going to DJ on the stage tonight. Is that cool? Because I want to be like right in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And the energy for sure. Like for me, now I got other DJ friends that are like, oh man, why do you get so close? People are going to spill drinks on you, you know? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I guess that could happen. But overall, I'd rather have a good experience and I'll figure out if something gets broke later. Yeah. I mean, does that really happen that often? No. You know what I'm saying? Like no. that they're fr- afraid of their equipment getting fucked up. Mm-hmm. Now, I, will, I do remember when <laughs> Skinny's equipment got vomited on. Or no. Uh, barbecue or no, fest? Was it no, skin? It was, I think it was DJ. I mean, uh, J squared. Yeah, JJ. J squared. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just crazy. Like people that, you know, and people want to be in and they want to be part of it. And, you know, with you being down there so close to them, it makes them feel more part of it, you know, then instead of like, up on stage with the Red Bull yeah. table or something yeah. like that, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I have better, like, higher-end quality gear. Right. And so if a splash of a drink spills on, it's not a big deal. Now, the cheaper gear, I guess, can get messed up easier. Um, but you buy the higher-quality stuff, it, it's more reliable. Yeah. So, like, are, are those things, like, waterproof or anything like that? Or No, I wouldn't say waterproof. Okay. Like, but so, I've definitely had, like, drinks splashed on there, and it's not a big deal. Right. And then they're also repairable oh, okay so, so like if i have one or two buttons go out i'll just get it sent off and get it repaired and they'll yeah so if somebody wants to get into djing like what would you recommend for them as far as equipment like a starter kit um <coughs> excuse me so i'm a big pioneer fan um and pioneer has controllers as low as like 150 dollars like, mm-hmm. now i would recommend to go for like the three or four hundred dollar one and up um, because you get too cheap, it won't even come with the DJ program. Okay. So um, go again, you know, go to Amazon and type in Pioneer and look for the three or four hundred or up, and it'll come with the DJ program. And just go to YouTube and research how to how to use Serato. Serato's the um, standard. I run Rekordbox, um, because I I started out running Tractor, which no one uses anymore. Then I moved into Serato, ran Serato for six years. And the thing about Serato is it's owned by a foreign company. And so my Pioneer rig would have a firmware update, but the software would not have an update. And so mm-hmm. then they wouldn't work together. And then about four years ago, five years ago, um, Pioneer came out with Rekordbox. So Pioneer owns the Rekordbox program. And okay. so it, they constantly sync together. Now, these are these are like iOS yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. So it's just like a yeah. Pro. You download it on your computer. Okay. So when you got started, were you using records or CDs? So I was telling the story to a friend of mine yesterday. A track. <laughs> I started out with records, kinda. So um, a friend of mine, when we decided we wanted to be DJs, a friend of mine, I remember a couple of years before that, had bought a DJ rig down in us from Arkansas, small mm-hmm. town Arkansas, and I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, man, do you still have those two turntables and that mixer?" Like, oh, yeah, I don't ever use it no more. So I was like, can I get that off you? So I bought it for 500 bucks, drove down there, and got it. And at that time, I didn't know about any of these computer programs. Mm-hmm. And so it was only vinyl. But I didn't really know how to DJ vinyl. So we bought, like, three or four vinyl um, records and, like, hip-hop records. And then we would just play our music off iTunes. <laughs> okay. And this is, like, the first few months of DJing. It's just fake it till you make it, yeah. right? And then we would scratch on the vinyl, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the so it was, that's all we that was the look, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then about three to four months in, they came out with Tractor, which is the computer program. So then all my music 
was held on my computer and we run tractor and it comes out of iTunes and that's. So how did they do the thing with the records? Yeah. So, um, they had code like, um, there was, so I run the cords out of the records and there's a, it's like a blank record, but there's like time code on it. Mm -hmm. And so it goes through the needle and then tells the computer where it's at on the record. Mm -hmm. And so you put the song on the computer and if you put the needle at the beginning of the, record the blank record then it's at the beginning of the song oh okay mm-hmm. so who were some of your influences as far as djs growing up um one guy i really liked was girl talk yeah 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 um i like girl talk a lot because he was high energy in and out of songs real quick mm-hmm. um he got in trouble early on in his like success and uh because he was like he wasn't producing his own music he was mashing up other people's music yeah and they were like, well, that's illegal. You can't, like, make money off that. And so I guess he was selling this stuff. And so he, like, stopped doing it forever. I think he's back now, but I haven't heard much of his stuff. Like, I listened to his album. I guess he came to Minglewood. Yeah. And I didn't go see him, obviously, because I didn't know who he was. But after the fact, I wish I would have because, like you said, the mashup to me mm-hmm. was amazing what he did. Because it was like, I don't even know this. I can't even think of the songs that he put together. But yeah. it was just, like, a continuous Hit after that hit was after the hit. album that had like the pirate fa- pirate hat on it, right? Remember, like I remember sure the graphic that it used on my iPod from 2008. But no, um, do you guys have to pay uh, for like the use of the music, like how bars and them do, or whatever it's called? I don't know what it's called, but you know, no, what I'm about. no I don't. You're like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's someone out there that has to do it, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I uh, have some record pool subscriptions i pay monthly fees for the music but mm. it's unlimited downloads and then just, i don't have to pay to perform the music i got you i think like one of the first djs that i recall like doing that kind of mashup music was um damn a&m no it's dj rectangle mm, i don't know yeah, this buddy of mine, this is like 99, I guess, he told me about this guy. And he did a lot of like, it would be like skits in between each song. So it would be a lot of um, martial arts themed background stuff. And then like he had like a wax on, wax off. So it had Daniel Sun and Mr. Miyagi talking. And then he would mix into something else. But yeah, the DJ M, AM, he was really good too. It's just, I, I mean, I've always been uh, intrigued by what you guys do. Like it just, to me, it's just some like something that I, I just, can't grasp it mm-hmm. you know i've never tried it either but it's just like i don't know i'm impressed mm-hmm. by what you guys do i appreciate it do you um do you still like practice to get better or i mean you i know you're good so i mean you you know um no <laughs> i mean i do but i i practice at the bar like while i'm performing oh, or at the you. show um because i've i'm so busy doing stuff getting gigs that like, I don't really have time to go home. And, I mean, it takes me like 45 minutes to just set my stuff up and, and practice. Um, but if I'm out performing, I'll just, Oh, I had the idea of like mashing these up. Let me just roll with it. And just, if it doesn't work, I'll just jump out of it, you know? And so that's where I get my practice in. What do you think about, what do you think about um, DJs that preload their shit and then acting like they're DJing like up there? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, if you're a DJ, um, yeah, that's, that's not cool. And it won't last long. Like you'll get caught. Yeah. I guess I got some stories to tell you about that. DJ crumbs. He didn't do it, but he caught somebody doing it. But now the producers, like the guys like Skrillex and stuff, 
when I was so when New Daisy came back, I was booking all the EDM right, guys that. there, um, and I would say seventy to eighty percent of those guys all had premixes. But I, you couldn't be too mad at them because they're making their music; it's the original music, right? And so that's kind of like the standard. It's, um, but I do think it's really cool when those producers do know how to DJ. A lot of them don't even know how to set the CDJs up or anything. They just you have to have it set up for them. They don't know how to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. So. Fuck, I lost, forgot what I was I can tell say. you a story if you want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, we were doing a Red Bull DJ competition, and, and DJ Crumbs was um, a judge, and we were doing it at Census. And uh, we had probably some younger DJs there, all college students. There were probably four or five of them. And he, Crumbs walks over there behind the table and notices this guy's just playing a mix from his iTunes and acting like he's DJing. So wow. he gets on the mic and just busts his guy out and cuts him off like mid set. It's like, bro. So during a competition, during, was, yeah, <laughs> that's some balls right there. Man. I mean, think about that. Like, like Crumbs is a great DJ. You guys know what is going on while they're doing it, right? I mean, what's what what they're fixing to do and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so yeah. why would you even try? Like, yeah. that's just I don't know who. Um, who do you? Who are your favorite DJs? Um. Or bands. Or well, like I was telling him, Girl Talk. I like Girl Talk a lot. They're not really out anymore. He's not really doing anything. Um, current guys. Nightmare is a producer I like a lot. Um, hmm. Oh, how about this? Is there anybody you don't like? Like when you, on your on your style? I would say like genres I don't like. Um, I'm not into the really housey stuff. Right. Um, and I'm not into the real hardcore hip hop either. Um, so kind of in the middle. I like guys that can take maybe a 1970s song and mash it up with a 3-6 Mafia song. Or, man, I wanted uh, Shania Twain, country music, and mm-hmm. mixing it with some hip-hop tracks, you oh, know? okay, yeah. Those type guys. Or a big thing I like to do is the Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I'll go acapella into Dancing With Somebody and then to Hotel Room Service and just nice put all those together. So when you get the... Are the tracks separate, or do you have to separate the track? Like the vocal from the, I guess, the music. Sometimes you can get them um, separate. Um, so, sometimes you have to do it yourself, and it's not easy. And sometimes I do it, and it doesn't sound good, so I just wait to find it where it's already done. Mm. It's a lot of work, man. Mm-hmm. Did you ever give your computer aids using LimeWire? Um, I think when I got the Apple and I started DJing, LimeWire was kind of on its way out. Oh, okay. Um, I did more like the YouTube ripping. Uh and the Apple computers were always so good about like not getting viruses, or if I had one, I didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. So, I just remember when we were like in '99, the 2000s, stuff like that. Like when you got broadband, everyone downloaded LimeWire, right? And then after that, your computer was like fucked up for like. You probably had to buy a new computer because you don't want to tell your parents that you fucked the computer <laughs> up or whatever, right? So, I just remember, man, before before the broadband and shit like that, and LimeWire. It used to take forever to fucking get a song. I was just like, man, fuck this. What? If you could go on tour, who would you go on tour with? Are you a solo? Okay, how, are you more solo than, or do you like doing like, be the main event and then, or what headliner, I'm sorry, and then like there's a bunch of guys below you? When or, it comes to like DJing like me, like open format DJs, you're not, I would prefer, I don't want to just be like the headliner, you know, but like if if I'm headlining a bigger college show, I'll have like a couple of opener guys. Those opener guys aren't, they might be great DJs, but they can't go a hundred percent because they're the opener and you don't, they're not, it's not, 
it's not uh, what's the rule custom to go 100% like you you hold back so that the headliner has room cuz anyone can jump on there at you know the first hour of the show and play uh, waka flaka and crank it up and everyone's going to go crazy but then like how do you hold the night 3 hours longer you know if the energy level is already there so it's it's kind of different like going on tour because I guess I'd be wanting to do my own thing, you know. Cause yeah. I want to. I want to have that energy at the end of the night, holding the crowd. But so if you could go on tour with, say, like a band, okay, and you're the only DJ, yeah, how yeah. Would you like, have, is there like a you know somebody you would like to do it with or something like that, or collab um, with or anything? Like Post Malone, well, lot, cool. like his stuff a lot. Um, play a lot of his stuff. Um, I started out doing a lot of. I did opened up for a lot of country artists, so. After the census thing, I got on with Kicks 106. I was making hip-hop and country remixes, mashups. Mm. And I got on the radio, and they were doing the free concerts, the country concerts. And, on Beale, right? Yeah, we were on Beale and, and then Snowden Grove for a little while. Oh, yeah. And uh, Nikki over there um, was helpful, and she allowed me to get on. And and uh, I would do those for almost free. We'd do the free concert. I'd play before each country artist, and then we'd do like an after party, and that's where I made a little bit of money. Um and then that got me on to we had there was a uh, country festival we had for like two years in South Haven area, and um, got to do that whole festival. And I was playing between the acts, but there was Jason Aldean, Photo Georgia Line, Keith Urban. Damn, that's fucking that legit as some, fuck. Yeah. So do you remember what was the place on Lamar, the the, the country place? Cactus Jacks. Was that yeah. what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first time I ever heard like a country song mixed into like mm-hmm. a hip hop song or something. I was like, man, what is this? This is cool, you know? And then everyone goes wild and shit. Yeah. Is there like, do you have a, like, say you want, you're ready to take the level way the fuck up. Like it's one thirty, everyone's fucked up. You're having a good time. Everyone's having fun. And you want to bring it up a notch. What What is your go-to songs or song or whatever? Um, I like to get into some sing-along um, but not just like mellow, like like um, some um, not Avicii. sweet Caroline, right? <laughs> well, that even, those will be late night, but mm-hmm. I guess that wouldn't be the peak. Like the peak would be like some Avicii stuff, um, right? Where the girls are just screaming it, and there's a big bang at the you know a big drop. Um, that um, and then you can you know No Hands is always go to towards the end. Wild Boy remixes. Um, some I got some ASAP Rocky remixes that are really cool. So it comes in with the hip hop, and everyone's chanting and it builds up and mm-hmm. then it just drops down oh nice yeah so tell us about your brand that you've built so i got a degree in graphic design and um a lot of my early success in djing was because i i knew how to this was before we had apps and stuff on how to make things look good on like marketing and um but because i was in school i knew photoshop and i could make my flyers and everything look really professional, like I'm a big time DJ, but I really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so that made it easier for me to grow a brand and um and just kind of until I kind of grew into my shoes there on the marketing. And uh as a brand, I just want to be kind of known as a DJ as high energy. Some things I do that I got from Girl Talk is like these tool paper guns. Oh, I've seen your videos yeah. on that, yeah. And uh, What is this? So I, I got a leaf blower, uh-huh. and I put a paint roller on the end of it, and I put toilet paper on there. <laughs> so maybe we might be playing somewhere where they're not really into EDM, but yeah. like you want that energy level up, right? So I'll put on a track, and we're building up, we're building up, and then I'll say, everyone make some noise, you're having a good time. 
and it drops. And someone normally doesn't like that, but I'll roll this toilet paper gun out and it just goes crazy over the crowd. <laughs> and now everyone's loving it. Yeah. I was watching his video early on YouTube where he, was, he put one on there. Yeah. And dude, it was fucking funny as shit. I was like, this is amazing. But, you know, it's be like, who's got to clean that up? Some little server made it like $50 at night has to clean all that shit up, you know? Well, like, yeah. Just imagine, like, was that Steve Aoki, Steve Aoki where he throws the fucking cakes at oh, people? Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. that'd be even worse, man. Yeah, I do play some bars that are like, you're not allowed to do a toilet paper gun. <laughs> That what? is cool that you have like a See, like a thing. I don't want it to be yeah a little bit more of a show. Yeah, I don't want to be just the DJ that's in the corner. Mm. Um, that's why I want to be up front with everybody and and just matching their energy of the crowd. Yeah, the really cool thing that uh, I'm think I'm sure I don't know if you have it, but I'm sure you do. The nitrous, the CO two, oh CO two, yeah. So that's something I try to bring along on some of my bigger shows. Yeah. What did you think about that Zac Efron movie? <laughs> Is that like a slap in the face to DJs? I heard it was terrible. I watched it. I wouldn't say it's terrible, but I'm not a DJ either. Would I like so it? Probably. You'd probably like it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm pretty like chill about everything. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Now, the way it worked, like the way he talked about it, it's yeah. not really, in a way it's true, in a way it's not true, you know. Um, you, he was talking about one time about how the inter- he raises that BPM mm-hmm. up and everything. Yeah. Yes, but the way I'll play is like I can play a BPM at 128, but it not be a crazy crunk song. Okay. And then I could play a song at 70 BPM, which is typically your slower stuff, and it could be the craziest song of the night. Mm. So to me, it just, what song is it? You know, and I'll go up and down. Sometimes at at Tin Roof, you know, we run like six hours long, five hours long from 10 to 5 a.m. Oh, that's right. And so I'll have different waves there. Um, The early wave would be more of like a wedding set. Um, and I'll build that crowd up because it's an older crowd. And then around 1 o'clock, the younger regulars come in, and then it turns into a different music vibe, and then build it back up. And then the last hour is just kind of like. How well, difficult is that to like have music playing consistently for that long? Super hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like as a uh, patron, you don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Like how much preparation goes involved to to get to the final product. You know, you're just there just getting drunk and fucked up and dancing. You're not thinking about you putting the music and finding the sets and all other shit. And usually we're there for, say, Silly Goose, for example, or Tin Roof, right? Yeah. We're there for maybe, what, an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. And then we'll bounce to the next bar or whatever. And that's a very good point. I never thought about that. Like, And I I realized that you are up there that fucking long. And, I mean, how tired are you? Like, I'd be really tired. Yeah. A lot of lot of caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, a newer DJ, I could teach a newer DJ and teach them for months and put them in that situation and still not be able to do it. I think a lot of it has to do with the years of DJing. You just know music more, Mm -hmm. you remember music more. And so, um, you could teach a guy everything you need to know and then he'll get up there and he'll get in an hour and a half and then be repeating songs, you know, it's like, cause he just doesn't have the memory of music. Yeah. Do you um, have a stable of DJs? Or uh, whatever it's called. Do you have a bunch of guys DJs underneath that, me? Yeah, like that want um, to work, and you're like, hey, you know what? I can't do this gig. Yeah, um, I don't have them like contracted or anything, but I definitely have like six or seven guys that I love to send places, and even they allow me at Tin Roof when I'm not there to book the DJs, and uh, oh, cool. and a couple other bars allow me to do that too, and so it's it's good because that's my base, and then if I can't be there, I'll bring in a friend and. 
it's helpful because so the bar manager doesn't bring in a DJ that really doesn't know how to do it. Right. Maybe maybe changes the vibe of the room, and then I come back the next weekend, and they're like, oh, this guy was doing this, and this guy was doing this, you know. If it's my friend, I have a little more control over that. Plus, and you also know how he's going mm-hmm. he's yeah. going to play, and you know he he knows the style he needs to play because you've told him and shit like that. Um, is there anything that you guys have to do to prepare for your night? Like, when, so you obviously loading your speakers and stuff like that. But at Tin Roof, you just you just enter. Like yeah, you Tin just, Roof has almost everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have a controller there, um, and I use it sometimes. But then sometimes I prefer mine. It's a little bit nicer, so I'll just bring, I'll chug mine in. But like when I say prepare, like do you have to get mentally ready and stuff like that, or you've been doing it so long now, it's just like yes oh, and no. Um, sometimes I'll have double gigs, like I'll have um, a high school dance or or a day a day day party, and then I'll rush in the tin roof. Or if it's music fest weekend, I'll be at um, music fest and then I'll rush in there and I won't be prepared. You know, like mm-hmm. so, yeah, and. I like to get it a little. If I'm traveling, I'm always like I take a little nap. Yeah. Before, um, and uh, yeah, because you can't just jump into it and then run it for three, four, or five hours. I know. I mean, that, I never thought about the gigs being that and, long. And like, one thing I do is like up there all night for five, four or five hours. I'm like doing this because I'm on beat, so like I'm I'm dancing the whole time. Yeah. And you go to the bar for like an hour and a half, two hours. You dance for like an hour or two hours. But now think about doing this for like four or five hours. You know, God, just constantly moving. And so people are like, oh, I do. You know, they go to work for eight hours a day, but it's different because you can, you know, if you get tired, you can go out and take a smoke break, take a bathroom break. I don't get those. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no shit. You're up there. And or if you do have to go use the bathroom, you probably have to bolt to the fucking. Bathroom yeah. Before you, you, know, yeah. you know how long your song is at and whatever. Yeah. And then you're also I'm also constantly listening in my head to all the like beats and everything. And I'm also thinking what song's good next, you know? And then you also have people in your ear, play this song, play this song. Or what do you do about those people? Especially something you don't want to play. So requests, when people come up to you and request, you're not a request kind of DJ, are you? No. Yes. And no. So like I'll listen to everybody. Cause I don't want to be mean. Like, right. I, you know, people that a lot of people know DJ Epic, but don't know me. Right. Mm -hmm. So some guy I don't know will come up to me and request a song. I don't want to be an asshole to him because then all he knows doesn't matter how nice I am to him the rest of the, the night. He's like, Oh, DJ Epic's asshole. So yeah. I'm, I genuinely listen to everybody. Um, a lot of times the ones that they request 90% of the time I'm going to play it anyways. Mm. So I'm just like, okay, I got, I got you. I got you. <laughs> That's not the go-to thing. I, say, I got you. I got you. But then they'll come back. Ah, I, I think if I don't want to play it the third time, they come back. I'll either go ahead and play it or just say, Hey, I'm sorry. I don't have a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no internet in here. Do you, what do you think about DJs that don't take requests though? Because I know of a place that they don't take requests. I was like, yeah. Well, you know, maybe they have a playlist. Well, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so what's, what's the point of having the DJ when we could just do like we did yesterday? No, I'm just saying maybe they don't really mix oh, their own music. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> they got something playing. But mm-hmm. like, but you know, yesterday rail garden, I th- I didn't know that you know. Remember, I was like, "Oh, she was playing all that little boom." She box. was playing all that boombox, you know, yeah. and it was off her phone. But I mean, that's like a little small area, right? Though, too, but like you know, if they're not going to listen to what anybody wants to listen to, and they're just going to play whatever they want to listen to, what's the point of having them and not just having the iPod? Unless they're like super famous and super like big, then um, they usually don't get too many gigs. I feel like I'm not there to play what I want to hear. I'm there to play 
what the crowd wants to hear, what's going to keep the crowd, what's going to keep the sales up, what's going to keep the drinks going. Yeah. You know? Um, so I do play music I don't want. Now, some people will request songs, and, and it might be a great song, but it's just not a fit for that moment. For, yeah. And I'll just say, hey, you know, like, like early on, they'll want to hear the bangers. I'm like, no, we're just going to wait. Give me like an hour. It's 9.30, my friend. Yeah. Wait till 11.30. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's how they met Skinny down in New Orleans. Uh, it was like Scotty and I guess that Kendall guy and whatever. Oh, yeah. They all went down there. And he, they're like, can you play some 3-6? And he's like, no, fuck y'all. <laughs> and then uh, they found out, somehow they found out, or he found out they knew Tree, because I guess Tree's from New Orleans, too. Yeah, he is. And then that's when uh, he decided to play uh, the 3-6 song or whatever. And then he ended up becoming our DJ at Barbecue Fest for a couple of years because of that relationship. But... Yeah, I mean, if I don't know, I think that if somebody came to your job and like, hey, play this, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, fuck you, man. Like, I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, especially like you said, if it's a popular song, you're probably going to play it anyways. Yeah. Now, Ole Miss is actually one of the hardest places to play with request because they're very vocal. Like, um, if you're playing a song they don't like, they'll let you know. <laughs> they just not move around or they'll something? They'll boo. Really? <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, wow. what are they going to throw cabbage at you? <laughs> yeah, they'll be like this. They'll be like, next song. Um, and then they'll request songs where they'll want like Young Dolph's 13th track off album deluxe, you know, yeah. some random thing. And I'm like, that might be hot in your car and your friends might know that, but the other 200 people here have no idea what that song is. <laughs> have you ever experienced this? Like, you hear a song in a club and it sounds so amazing because it's got the speakers yeah. and all that stuff and you're Shazam it. You're like, fuck yeah, I can't wait till I get home. And it sounds like, uh, and then you're like, oh, it doesn't sound as good. Yeah, yeah. And then it might be something you mix with it too that I don't know about. I don't know, but usually it's just like, it doesn't really hit the same. It's like I said, when you get, I get a salad from outside of the restaurant, it doesn't taste the same. Maybe mm-hmm. it's also like, because those bit badass speakers and the lights yeah. and you know whatever's the, the going whole, on the whole mood There's yeah a lot, you hear a lot more, you hear a lot more stuff out of the club speakers and stuff yeah what uh um, more range are there songs that you just will not play i know you just said that you play just about everything for people but like is there something like the cupid shuffle or yeah well yeah if you're in the club and and, <laughs> and it's like going great and then some girl that doesn't know how to dance wants you to play wobble because that's the only song she can dance to i'm like no i mean you should have caught me at nine o'clock when no one was here but yeah yeah um, what about i'm oh, sorry go ahead yeah well and then like um some of the new memphis for like push icedy it's fun in the car but his new now his Newer song, Back in the Blood or whatever, I'll play mm-hmm. that because it made it to the top 40 charts. But some of his other stuff, it's just not, the guys love it, but the girls can't vibe with it. You know, so some of that stuff I kind of stay I with. saw that he's supposedly the new king of Memphis, that mm-hmm. Pooh shots oh, the guy, yeah. whatever. And I was following this thing on, um, it's on uh, Facebook, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's he's done replace Sean Golf. He's done replay. And, and people are like, who the fuck is this poo-poo? What are y'all talking? You know, these older guys coming in, they're like, what are y'all talking about? No, he's not the king, man. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? I think I saw Young Dolph say he's retiring. Really? Yeah. Do you ever really retire from music, though? He said, Well, he said he's putting mm. out this new album, and it's going to be his last one. Damn. How old is the guy? Young. I guess young. <laughs> young Dolph. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's probably not even, like, in his, like, 35. He's, really? one of, he's one of these young kids, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So I guess you have to do a lot of research for music too, then to keep on top of everything. Yeah, I look at charts and um, stuff and what's trending now. And TikTok's been a big help lately. Mm. So are there like websites you can go to to see like what other DJs are doing 
or to find out about new artists that aren't really pop, like top 40? Um, I'm sure there are. Yeah. There's one thing, but I use a lot is you go to Spotify and you see trending. Okay. So top 50 trending. And those are a lot of times younger artists. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. They might have one hot song out. Okay. Yeah, I guess TikTok would be a lot of, because sometimes I'll hear a song on there and I'm like, okay. And then I'll hear it like, on the radio or whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's a TikTok song. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, because all those challenges everyone's doing on TikTok, mm-hmm. it's making everything popular. All these rappers or whoever is making so much money now doing it. Yeah. If I was an artist, I definitely would try to get my music on there. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't know why Eubank. I don't know if he has any of his songs on there or not, but it seems like that's a misstep if he doesn't. I don't think they can have like a, like a cha- TikTok challenge with one of their rock songs. If you have as many friends that he has that have a following and you tell them to play your song, somebody's going to pick it up. Yeah. They're, um, did you say their new albums coming out or new singles we already released on mm-hmm. the 15th or something like that? Oh, did you guys see that uh, DMX died? I saw that. I, I didn't know he died. I heard he had a oh, heart attack. He had, and, oh, uh, so, he, oh, so I he he's in bad shape. Yeah, they said. Yeah. I mean, he may not make it, but he's in. At last I saw, he was not in good shape. I didn't right want to bring now. that up because I didn't know if it was true or not. I just saw one person post. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's I mean, like I said, I don't. The last I saw that it was. Uh, he, I mean, he if, overdosed. If on you saw it, I'm sure it is true. Oh, he's always wrong. Last, so. <laughs> My friend Alex still listens in the car earlier. So, what is. What's a song you love? What yeah? What's a song you love, but you don't have, you never play in the you know you just don't play it. So I love some um, Coldplay. Um, one song I love is "Fix You," and uh, it's just so slow. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to get some good remixes to it and build it up. Um, so I love that music. Um, I'm I'm a punk rock fan too. Back in the day, so some of the Blink One Eighty Two songs like I'm I'm DJing to a younger crowd now, so they yeah. don't get it. Like five years ago, I could play some Blink One Eighty Two remixes, but now I can't do mm-hmm. it. They're too young. How do you stay on top? Did you just ask this question? I think you did. How do you stay on top of the music? Like, how do you know, okay, this guy's no longer relevant to stop playing him or maybe use him in a mix later on or something? So a lot of times, like, uh, I don't mind the request because it does help me out a lot. They kind of, like, keep me current and stuff. Mm. Um, and if I play a song and I, it's, like, it's not working anymore, then... Um, uh, but what's kind of weird, recently, you know, you have the comeback songs, right? Well, like... Rihanna, like her stuff's been coming back. Um, a lot of Pitbull's old stuff's coming back, and um, I would think it's like too early to come back. But they're loving it right now. Really, like sexy chick is is hot right now. <laughs> These college crowds is so. I guess you get really good at reading the room too, though. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So, like when you see the crowd is like lulling, what is your go to? Yeah, but Usher. Oh, okay. It's easy yeah. to pick it up. I always think about Platinum Plus when I hear that song. <laughs> Man. Because they would always play it on that projector. That was mm. when it was first came out or whatever. Or a, a girl song, like uh, some of the Megan Thee Stallion stuff. Girls, oh, yeah. Girls in the Hood, A-Ladies. Those are always go-to. Um, to bring... The, the, I don't do this to bring the energy up, but I have some swag surfing into... Um, I got a good mashup swag surfing into... Um, oh, don't forget it, but what it was right now, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one to get into. It kind of gets the people moving. Yeah. Do you have, what's your favorite venue or college? Yeah. Venues or whatever you played in. Um, so there's Galette's down there and, uh, that sounds like a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> it's Galette's in Tuscaloosa. Um, 
it's good. They have good sound and good lights. Um, they, uh, I did St. Patty's Day there, and I was talking to them. I was like, hey, so do you want me to come in earlier? Because people on St. Patty's Day party all day long. Um, and they're like, no, no, just come in. Like, Normally I start there at like 9 or 10 o'clock, but lately I've been starting there at 8 because they've been closing early. Well, now they're wide open, but everyone's still coming at 8 o'clock. It's like, no, just start at your normal 8 o'clock. I said, okay. Well, I got there at 7, and it was 100% capacity. Everyone was everywhere. And uh, uh, and so I like playing there because I do – It was a, that was on – that was a Wednesday. But a normal Wednesday, they do like this Wine Wednesday concept, $5 bottles of wine. Mm. And so it, it packs out. And the fact that you just go there on a Wednesday and just rage like it's a Saturday night, Yeah, it's, it's nice. That was kind of like – I mean, it's not the same anymore, but on the Holland Strip, man – Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night were the nights. The weekend were dead. Todd mm-hmm. had Todd had newbies jumping, you know, with all these different bands he had and stuff like that, like on either side. But like nothing else was happening anywhere else. But on the beginning of the week was the nights to go out on um, on Highland Strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then Bill Street was doing a lot of stuff on the weekends. What do you see like or hope for? To happen in Memphis, like with the changes that are happening, like the new places that are popping up. Do you want to see more day party stuff or? Yeah. I mean, you, you look at Nashville, they're killing on the day party stuff. It's just cool vibes. But with that, it's depends on the weather. So we could have a great summer with some day party stuff or, but then winter, no matter what, it's going to die down Mm. just because of the weather. Yeah. Um, I I just want the younger crowd to keep moving in. I say younger, not college, but, um, Young professionals. Yeah. I think that really helps out the nightlife in the city. Because I think with them doing more like hotel rooftops and then like rooftop bars, because mm-hmm. that's why I hear more of the places are, that are popping up are having that now. Yeah. I think that would help out a lot too. They're cool vibes. Um, there's not, for the DJs, there's not like a huge budget in it. Yeah. Um, and as long as it's done right. I, I never want to DJ anywhere where I'm just like in the corner mm-hmm. and it's just like a mellow vibe. Like mm. there's no point of that, you know, like. I want, you know, to make it about the DJ thing and yeah, the atmosphere. Would you ever want to perform at like Bill Street Music Festival or something like that? Yeah. Now I'm not a producer. Yeah. So I probably would never get asked unless they wanted to go like a girl talk vibe. Yeah. Or if they wanted to do like a DJ tent. And so like you know they have the blues tent, but imagine if yeah. that was just like DJs throughout the day running. That'd be kind of cool. So when you say producer, what do you mean by that? Okay, so like a producer is someone that creates their own music. So like a Vici, Skrillex, they're okay. producers. So um, they're performing their music they made. Oh, okay. And I'm just mashing up their music or other people's yeah. music. Yeah, okay. Are there artists' music you're not allowed to use? No, not necessarily. Now, I was going to do a gig for Nike Factory. Um, I had a corporate gig with them, and they told me, I couldn't play Kanye or Chance the Rapper because <laughs> they were associated with Adidas. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Have you, ever, have you had to, um, have you had to deal with a bunch of like, throughout the time you've been doing this, like a bunch of asshole managers, like do not play this, don't play that. Um, early on, I think now I've kind of built a reputation. Like they know what they're getting, you know? Um, now I still deal with asshole managers, but it's not for the music wise. It's just because they're an asshole. <laughs> but, I mean, a bar industry could make you an old bitter man pretty quick, though. Yeah. 
Now, when you do your music and you do the editing, are you bleeping all that out individually yourself? Or do you find like a clean version of it generally? Oh, um, if I do like a high school thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of my record pulls bring the music um, that I can get it dirty and clean. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that would be a bitch, man, mm-hmm. to have to go in there and edit every single now, fucking curse word out. Lately, my high school ones, they've been a lot easier. I mean, the, the faculty or the parents, mm-hmm. they're not as like strict as they used to be on that stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I know like sometimes I'll listen to a song and I'm like, I'll like it, and then I was like, it's edited. I was like, and then I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's So is there places that you, you won't play again? You don't have to say the name, but like. Uh, I'm sure there are places out there, yeah. But if the money's right, you'll go back and play. Yeah, but it's there's too small. Like, the money would never be right. Mm. Mm. Have you ever been tipped? Does DJ, yeah, like, so, big money? Yeah, mm. so I had a residency down at a casino, um, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And um, it actually kind of spoiled me uh, by getting big tips down there. But I would do three week, uh, three nights there. I do or three days pool party on Saturday and Sunday, and then Friday night I DJ the club. And that was like two or three summers ago, and I went down every other weekend throughout the summer. And <laughs> the smallest tip I got was twenty, but each day I I get at least a hundred dollar tip. That's Damn. not bad at all, yeah. man. And you're already getting paid on top of that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. make. Three or four hundred dollars in tips each day. Oh, that's and then I would take it into the casino late night. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you, if you, with everything you know right now, would you tell yourself when you first started that you're still going to do it? Yeah, yeah. Because now I'm not always going to DJ though. Um, Right now, I'm currently working on long term investment stuff. Oh, nice. I want to build, I don't want to give all my secrets out, but I want to build a venue, not like a bar, not a Minglewood, but a, more of like a wedding venue type okay. time. Um, and I'm hoping in five years that's ready to go. Like, I'm, so once the house gets closed, I'm going to start moving into that. So you're going to exit DJing in five years? Um, you heard it here first, link the <laughs> podcast. No, well, we'll just, once that's done, we just reevaluate and see where I'm at, you know. I mean, Hopefully I can do both or maybe I'll only do big budget shows only. Yeah, that makes sense. Tony? You don't have any more questions you want to read? No, I'm good. My question's kind of dried up now. Um, Where are some of the coolest places you've been to with DJing? So I DJed in Brazil. Oh, really? Uh, How is that? Yeah, this is kind of a fun story. So I was down there for, this is like when I was in college and I was terrible DJ. Um, but I was doing a campus ministry down. I lived there for four months over the summer. Wow. And um, I told them, I was like, hey, the Brazilian people was like, hey, I'm an American DJ. And they're like, oh, American DJ. So then this bar made a flyer, and they had me come DJ. <laughs> and they put on the flyer, American DJ. <laughs> and they gave me, like, the headlining set. And I was terrible at DJing, but they didn't know that. But I just came in and played, like, American music, and yeah. they loved it. That's awesome, yeah. man. Um. So, is that the only place international you've been? DJ, as far as with DJ, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good place to fucking go. I would. Yeah. Imagine. I mean, everything I've seen from that just looks beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. amazing. Um, oh, I DJ this annual party at Clemson. I haven't done it in two years because of the COVID, but this fraternity there um, has become DJ every year, and they buy. I'm trying to think of this. Like four hundred cases of Keystone, nice. <laughs> like four or five hundred, and at the end of the night, they have probably had nine nine hundred people come through the house, and the house is probably 
like if you were to take your whole floor plan and make it one room, that was the room. So it's not oh, that okay. big, yeah. you know. It's probably like the whole the main room is probably fifteen hundred square feet. Wow. And then a lot of people are outside and stuff. But I remember backing up. We had to get a broom because the beer was like three four inches deep <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> God. So how did you come up with the name Epic? So I used to do graffiti illegally. Mm. And um, I would spray paint Epic. That was mm-hmm. my name. And I remember because I had to explain people. They're like, oh, what does Epic mean? And uh, I was like, well, it's like big, extraordinary, like fun, you know, like crazy. And um, and then Epic went into like overused for a little while. And then it was like, oh, DJ Epic, you know, then, you know. that. And so that's how I so – did the graffiti and then I started DJing and, and actually got arrested graffiti. Damn. <laughs> so I was like, ah, fucking vandal. Yeah. <laughs> and so I uh, started DJing. I was like, I'll just use the same name. It's a cool name, man. And it's it's like neat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not too much like DJ Excasimo or some mm-hmm. fucking weird shit that you people see. You know, some people have, but that's I'll, a cool, like, like legit name. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys now are taking the DJ off and just you're just that name or they're just DJing with their, their normal name. Mm. But my normal name, Donald Hines is kind of lame. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember somebody told me your name was Donald. I was like, no, his name's not yeah. fucking Donald. <laughs> like, no, that's really his name. I was like, so oh, what are some of the wildest like fraternity stories you have? Because I know those guys got to be fucking crazy, man. Yeah, I got one story. I don't know. It's kind of a crazy story. I always tell it. Um, so it was one of my first gigs through the agency. It was down at Old Miss. So I was super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I brought a crew of my guys with me. And uh, they all meant well, but they were started drinking and having a good time. And uh, one of my guys went upstairs. We were outside, and one of my guys went upstairs and um, – got in a little altercation with some of the fraternity brothers mm-hmm. and they didn't know who he was. You know, he was with me, but these fraternity brothers, like four or five of them. And so he, he's a guy that won't back down. And so they started scrambling upstairs. He gets pushed against the wall, pulls the fire alarm and they, he's on the second floor. They push him out the, um, the exit door where the stairs are mm-hmm. outside and they push him down and they start wrestling. He's still going <laughs> at him against like four or five guys. And since the fire alarm got pulled, it's been going off like five minutes. Now the police and fire department have showed up and uh, they jump on him and he gets the cop jumps on him, but he doesn't know it's a cop and it's actually a female cop <sighs> and turns around and like punch, like the punches or pushes her off. Yeah. And then they of course just put him on the ground and arrest him. And then other guys are just fine. Yeah. And this is my first college gig through the agency. And it was like right at the end of the night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, was it alcohol induced? I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Alcohol is a funny thing, man. Sometimes it makes you feel happy. And then sometimes it makes you feel like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird drug, man. It has so many different emotions you can go through Mm -hmm. and nobody's the same every single time I do it. Do you, uh, do you drink? Still while you DJ, or are you like, man, I'm ready to go. It's three o'clock in the morning. No, because I want to. I want to have similar energy to everyone else. And if you, I feel like I, I don't want to look like I'm mad up there, you know. So I want to yeah. be in good spirits. Yeah, because I'm out of questions. I wrote like twenty down, and I mean, you love music. You love that EDM stuff. Do you like that kind of music? Yeah, I mean, I like all music. Yeah. Whatever's hot, 
you know and i don't it doesn't matter to me if it's a miley cyrus song yeah. or if it's a hardcore edm song or if it's a super big rap song like if it's hot i like to play it like um, it's like I, I don't know i can't i'm not i can't vibe with music that doesn't have lyrics to it oh yeah i see what you mean yeah it's just like that's what he likes yeah. <laughs> and it's literally all it is sometimes like i listen to so a lot you know and like yeah. It's like the same. He's like, it's a, is that the same song? No, it's a different song. I so like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, the way I, I get away with it though is like I'll put like other acapellas over it. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so I have like a the lemonade song that my friend produced. Like yeah. I'll take those acapellas and put it over the sandstorm song, and it's like everyone loves it, you know. Mm. Like, so you get a little bit of both, and you can still hear that EDM drop that he likes. So, like, what's the process for creating a song with another song? So, like, when you sit down, like, what do you do? Um, They have to be similar key. They don't have to be exact key, but they have to be similar. Okay. Um, A lot of guys will remix it and speed them up, and I think I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I like to try to keep them true to the acapella, like the, the rap song or whatever. The singing song, I don't want it to be sped up too much. Because, yeah, it might match with the energy level if it's sped up, but then... The people that the normal people out there just like like top forty stuff won't, yeah. won't be into it, you know, be too far off. And so then you'll you'll get them similar there, and then um, just get into my computer. And a lot of times I'll just do it on the fly. I get some key points set up and and just play the the track, and then just throw it on top and hit record. Let me play y'all something. I saw this, I saw this the other day, and I thought it was amazing. Um, Cause like it's people on the internet are so fucking talented, man. It's just like they mix stuff that I never would have thought to mm-hmm. put together. Do you have any, um, obviously you have social media. Do you really use your social media to push your events? Instagram, a lot of stuff. Instagram. Um, Facebook has really made it hard to promote like stuff on there with the algorithm. And it's not even easy, that easy on Instagram anymore. But, um, uh, one thing I started when I was in census and I was doing Thursday nights, I grew a large following during that time. First of all, it was like the peak of Instagram and everyone was jumping on and following a bunch of people. And mm. there was no, like right now, if I go to follow 50 people, Instagram will stop me and be like, you're following too many people at once, you know, they think at, you're a bot or something. Yeah, at that yeah. time you could just do whatever. And so one thing I do is all my promoters didn't, they would get paid a percent of the night and to know who was working. I made them post a whole bunch and tag me and everything. Oh, okay. And so I got all these tags and did my, in that three or four year span, it really jumped up on my following on Instagram. Are you on TikTok? I have something on there, but I don't really post on there. <laughs> so currently, someone else has DJ Epic. Oh, okay. And so I've been trying to like get that tag. Yeah, I think I'm like DJ underscore Epic, mm. and and um, so until I get that, I don't want to push that and yeah. then have to change it. Because I've heard that that I guess their algorithm is not kind of like with Facebook's, where they're using it more for you know. People that are paying for ads and all their stuff like that. But yeah, here, let me play all this song. Forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. Some of those that work forces are the same that burn crosses. So, like, would you have thought to put that together? Uh, no. Um, but first of all, the backtrack there is such a cool vibe. You can put a lot of stuff on there. It'll sound good. Yeah. 
Cause like when I when I saw that, this better with that the was video too. Machine, yeah. right? Okay, I, thought, I was like, I know this because he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's better with the video. But um, I just when I when I see stuff like that, I'm like, what do you, what did you hear to be like, mm, this song will go with this song, or like, do you have something not maybe like that kind of slow and fast song, whatever? But do you have anything like that that you can think of that you've done? Um, no, well, see, like, I do a lot of them fly. Like, I don't, um, sit down and just do it and then push that out as, like, my stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love to play, um, a lot of classic rock stuff. Mm-hmm. So, some ACDC with the Steve Aoki drop or, okay. um, or just, yeah, a bunch of stuff like that. And, and then, he he was hating on Sweet Caroline, but mm-hmm. I'll play that towards the late of the night or that and Don't Stop Believing or some of my yeah. go-to stuff. And um, they'll build up and drop and stuff like that. Do you think that you'll ever make your own music? Um, so I see a lot of guys doing that. Um, and I probably should. probably should just break down and do it. But I'm doing great right now, I feel like. Right. You know? um, For sure. I'm and I want to make my investments and put my time into other things. When I'm not gigging, um, I am. I just kind of like do a lot of family time because lately I've been out a lot. So now when I'm home, just like doing family stuff. And um, so I don't really have time to produce. But I, a lot of guys I see doing it, they spend so much time on it. And um, there's no success, you know. There's not like a return on their investment or whatever. No, not a return. Yeah. And, um, and I'll even send some of those guys like gigs, you know, I like go, Hey, I got a three, $400 bar, bar gig. And they'll say, Oh, well, can I play my original EDM stuff? I'm like, no. Yeah. They don't, <laughs> they don't want you, man. They want, and they're like, Richie. and they're like, okay, well, I don't want it. Yeah. And I'm like, like, you can still do your own stuff and then do your bar gig on the side. But now what do you think about like, like I noticed this during the pandemic last year. Well, I guess we're still in it, but like a uh, wicked the instigator, he would do like a lot of lives and what's the other guy. I don't, is he really a DJ Mark Riblet or whatever? Mm. You know what I'm talking about? He kind of sings into a microphone and then does some other shit. With the piano? Yeah. The one that, yeah, the the skinny dude, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's always funny, wearing like, a robe or whatever. Yeah. Like, Uh-oh. do you like like that kind of stuff, like being innovative like that? I think that was pretty cool that some people were doing that. Like, they couldn't perform other people, so they were just yeah, kind of so just throwing out there for everybody. I never did that because I was always so nervous that I'd get on and I'd have 10 people follow me and then everyone would see that and just judge me and like, mm. oh, he's not that big. So he has 10 people following you. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, it happened to like Skrillex and some of those bigger time guys. Like they got on and they were only having like a couple thousand follow and you're thinking, oh, they probably should have 50,000. Yeah. You know, like, and so it did die out a little bit. Now there, there's a, a couple of apps now where you can make some money in it and mm-hmm. tips and stuff. And if you get enough following, they'll pay you for it and stuff. But I think those are more some of the um, major market guys, like the Miami and California guys. Okay. They've had success in it. What other like big markets have you been to that you want to go back to? So we were talking about it a little bit before. I don't think we, did we talk about was Nashville recorded? We weren't. Recording. No, we weren't recording. Okay. So Nashville's become a big market. I started out there. Um, early on, I was actually driving there every Friday night to DJ. It was um, it was that Irish bar on Second Street. Did you ever go there very much? 
Uh, so not, there was not there was nowhere. You know what Graham, the three story one Graham. Mm-hmm. So it was next door to that. It was just I think it was right where the building got bombed. Actually. Oh yeah. wow, okay. Um, and it's not there anymore. But I was driving there early on, every Friday night, making one hundred seventy five bucks. I get done with my gig and I drive back to Memphis. Um, and at that time, it was kind of before Nashville really had their big boom. And now in hindsight. Yes, I, I would like to go to Nashville and get some gigs. And I uh, know, um, is it Dream or Dude? Dream is fucking killing it. Yeah, he's killing ahead. it. Um, but I've talked to all them, and some of them reached out to me. But there are other DJs there just working for such. Lo- There's so many DJs. Mm. It's I get more tin roof to stay home than to go there. And because when we went to um, when we were last time in for Eubanks party, yeah, uh, I went to go. I walked across the street from our hotel and went to meet up with Nick. And it was in the Dream Hotel, and they would. So you walk in, and you know they got check in, and the restaurant part where I walked in, right? And it's you know you you never know that. And then you walk to the right, and you open this door, and you go in there, and it's fucking like it's like three a two a.m. Club one fifty two on Beale on a Saturday night in there on on Saturday afternoon at two. I think it was three o'clock. The amount of people that were in there, and this was you know during the pandemic, and nobody just gave a fuck, and everyone was partying and everything else. You know, it was just like man, what the fuck, like. Why can't we have this in Memphis? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's where we're going to, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I was saying earlier about, like, the Day hotel parties. bars yeah. and stuff like that. I think, like, where you're at right now is where you were with the use of, like, in Nashville back then. I think you're ahead of the curve, you know, for what's going to pop off mm-hmm. here. Because I really honestly believe that Memphis is, is set for a wave. Yeah. Um, the, you know, I did the, I've done the Peabody rooftop parties for three years in a row. Mm-hmm. And, uh um, I was actually going to have a huge contract. They gave, they started out the first season. I was just the DJ on the side, mm-hmm. and then the next summer they gave me one headlining show, and then the next summer they gave me three. Oh wow! And then before COVID hit, they were going to give me four headlining shows. Damn! Um, it was a big contract, and then they shut it all down. <laughs> when is that? When is Rooftop going to come back? Have you heard anything? Or? So I talked to him about that, and I knew y'all might ask me. I was like, what do you want me to say? And he's and technically, I can't say anything yet. I got you. <laughs> the, so that means, yeah, it's coming back sometime soon, hopefully. It, well, it's in the works, but it's not 100%, so I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that, that used to be, I mean, it still is a fun party, man. Yeah, and um, when they asked me to come on, um, Mark Anderson did it forever. And mm-hmm. um, he did great, you know, but he just got older, and... um there was a mutual agreement for them to part ways. And, and um, they asked me to come in to try to get, bring back a little bit more of the younger crowd. Cause it did get into an older crowd there. Yeah. So not much, much as much money was being spent more than like, no, right? cause they weren't doing shots or, mm-hmm. you know, like they were drinking one or a couple. Their guys will have like $40 bar tab. And then my guys I bring in will have like a $150 bar tab. Right. Like roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you, um, so like, I don't know if this is what at like tin roof and stuff like that. Do you, do they, I'm sure you eat for free, right? Yeah. And then do they give you like a tab for alcohol or whatever? Like, um, yeah, most places do. I got most. you. Um, and it's sometimes it's not unlimited. Um, but lately like it's kind of goes with the reputation. I've been like, they're nicer to me. They understand I'm not going to take advantage of it or right. anything like that. So they're easier on me than maybe someone that'd be brand new at it. Do you have a writer? On some of the uh, the private college frat parties and stuff, yeah, I'll put a rider on. You ever ask for some weird shit? No, I don't know if I got to the level. Of asking for <laughs> I've I've, heard, I've seen some weird stuff on some riders. 
Yeah, I've heard like some people will be like, I only want blue M&Ms or yeah. something like that. Or I've heard seen. I remember one time uh, Logan, when he was at Minglewood before, you know, the pandemic and stuff like that. Yeah. I asked him about that. And I go, what's the weirdest thing? He's like, man, there was one thing we couldn't find. The guy literally threatened not to do the show. And we were finally like, we can't fucking find it. Well, I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm sure it'll come to me after the podcast. But it was something so random. I mean, it was a big bang. It was a big gig, you know. And he was like, man, we... Because that's what him and Jerry used to do. They would go out and get all the stuff. Mm. And they just couldn't find it. And the guy, like, bitched. And when he finally went on, like, two hours late, you know. And, like, Minglewood liked him going on late because everyone was buying more booze, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, it was just one of those things that he almost didn't go on because they couldn't find something. So I've heard, I've heard this one guy wanted um, a pepperoni pizza, but he wanted you to take the pepperonis off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking weird, Like, man. pick my pepperoni off in front of me. Like, yeah. what the fuck, man? Um, then I've seen a, I, one guy wanted Nutella, and we got him Nutella, and he was like, oh, you actually got me Nutella? <laughs> 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 oh, I guess you you said you did, uh, what was it? Um, the, the New, New Daisy? Daisy? Yeah. So, so I, I guess, yeah, you would have uh, dealt with that a lot then, huh? And then also, a lot of these guys will put weird stuff in there, not because they really want it, but just to see if you actually read it. Mm, so like, like, just a lot of places people. won't read it, and then they'll show up, and they're, well, you're already here, so you got to perform. <laughs> Can they, like, the way that some of these contracts are written, even if you can't find everything, they still have to play, right? They just got yeah. a bitch and moan, probably. I've never seen anybody not play because of it. Oh, I, so from one of my birthday parties at Census, I had Ronnie from Jersey Shore come in. <laughs> <laughs> not a big Ronnie or Jersey Shore fan, but yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of making money. So uh-huh. the uh, Census that night gave me the door, and so I made the investment and, and paid for him to come out. And uh, I think he, on his rider, he had like a one or $200 um bottle of liquor or something mm-hmm. and i'd paid him like 10 grand to come <sighs> wow and uh it, it worked out i made my money back but and a little bit more but um halfway through the night he's like man I, I want another bottle i'm like i'm not buying you another <laughs> bottle like go get it i <laughs> yeah. just paid you 10 grand so how does that work like how do you get those people to come in do you have to go to the opposite with like their agent or yeah, whatever yeah booking agent some like some of these fraternities will reach out to my booking agent to get me there's mm-hmm. ones for those guys Oh, that's that's pretty, you booked DJ Pauly D. So did, well, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. New New Daisy did do yeah. that. Yeah, um, was he good, or is he a good DJ? Yeah, he's a good DJ because he was a DJ before he was on Jersey Shore. Okay. Um, now he'll stay. He's not an EDM guy, but he'll stay in that one twenty eight. Okay. Like, he'll that Jersey Shore vibe, you know. I, I was DJing a fraternity party at University of Alabama, and he was DJing the fraternity house right next door. <laughs> what? Yeah. What kind of money do these kids have? So, Dude, sorry. Yeah, so some of these fraternities, they'll have annual parties. Yeah. Each semester, they'll have like their annual party, and their budget will be $50,000. What? Now, now you got to remember, this is a Memphis fraternities, okay? Like you know, I know, but it's still college. That's still a lot of fucking money. Yeah, right? but you got to think how much money is in these colleges. And like these fraternity houses, Sony, are fucking massive and The fraternity will have like 400 members. Yeah. And they're each paying like four to $5,000 dues a semester. Wow. Plus all the money they get from like their booster alumni. alumni and all that kind of stuff for, for these parties. Like some of these, some of these fraternities like Bulldog Weekend, I can't remember the one it's uh, almost is called, but like those man, every fraternity is decked out. Everybody is fucking there. Everyone has the biggest party that you walk into and then it's just balls to the wall. People, everyone partying. It's like that. Still, you know, every year they'll do open bars and they'll hire bartenders and servers and everything to come in. Did you ever do like barbecue fest? 
and yeah, stuff like that. I've done some barbecue fest. Um, it's great in DJing, so <laughs> they kind of suck setting up. So I'll book one, but I wish I would book with some of your guys because they have all the gear. The ones I'd book with, I had to bring in my own gear. Mm, and my so, king. <laughs> and so I want to bring in good gear and everything, lots of lights. But that's not practical to bring it at like five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so I have to go in. They only let trucks drive in there at seven a.m. Mm. And then so I do that. Then I go back home, rest, and then come back and DJ till one a.m. And I go back home and have to get back up at six a.m. to get back there to drive in there and get my gear. Yeah. The the load in and load out for barbecue. You we know. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous, man. It's it's just it's like what the fuck, you know? And like this year they doing less teams but giving teams more space but how are they going to attract people to come there because like you know uh, jason christopher said that they're not doing it because they're not going to get their sponsors in the in their the, so they're not even going to ask for sponsors because mm-hmm. they don't want to let them in because there's so many i forget how many members they have but like mm-hmm. it's just like one of those things like how do they you can't just buy a ticket and just show up you right and are they gonna because i they saw i saw that they're still going to be doing um social distancing inside the booths like are they gonna be like the healthy department walking around with their clipboards and walking to different booths, finding these teams or like, I don't know. It's uh, I don't envy those people this year trying to do that. Now, are we open up in Shelby County for everyone that wants to get a vaccine? Uh, um, the vaccine Pretty much. So the, the loophole, so it's not a loophole, but so they went on, they went on channel, all the channels, all the news channels, right? They said, if anybody, this is pretty much what they say. If anybody wants to get the vaccine, no proof of pre-existing conditions, pre-existing or conditions required. Wink, wink, sign up, go get the shit. Mm-hmm. You know, so my friend Alex and Patricia, they all got, you know, they're fully vaccinated. And because I was telling them, and now Kelly's fixing to be fully vaccinated, I think. And I was, I was telling them like way long time ago, dude, this is, just get it done. You know, just, just choose one of these. They're not even going to ask you for everything. So didn't they set up a FEMA tent or they're currently building it. It's going to be seven days a week. Is that the Pipkin building? Yeah, they're building one next to it. It's like a big outside drive-through tent thing. Seven days a week, twelve hours a day. Oh damn, that's good. Twenty-one thousand um, shots a week is what the goal is. I was like, Did- no, they moved it up. They're going to do fifty thousand. Oh, week. now they're doing fifty thousand. Yeah. They're, wow. they're, sh- they're trying to get fifty thousand. Telling you, man, like now. So I'm getting as by May by barbecue fest. I feel like if you haven't got the vaccine, that's your choice. Yeah. Like, to what extent do we like? Okay. Well, I've seen something where you, like they're gonna make it, like for traveling. I guess the people that have been vaccinated are gonna be more free to travel places now. Yeah, they want to do that uh, passport. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think that's gonna get passed. I only reason I care to get vaccinated is for traveling outside the country. Because like I, I have a buddy that lives in Thailand, and he's like, "Hey, come, 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 come." He's been telling me to come for like the longest time. And I asked him the other day, I was like, "When are y'all opening back up?" And he said, "It's probably like around September, October, but you're gonna have to be vaccinated to come here." So I mean, that's one of the, I and mean, obviously to help people out, other people out, other than myself, but that would be one reason why I wanted because to do you it. could be a carrier, right? Let me get this right: you could be a carrier, not knowing you have are sick, and get other people sick because yeah. you don't have any symptoms, right? Is that how that? Um, I think something like that because I've had it. So, and now I've got both shots. Now they're boycotting. Now they're boycotting oh. <laughs> uh, MLB because um, they won't move the All Star game out of Georgia. Georgia because <laughs> no, I just saw that. We should talk about COVID, yeah. but like they they um, they won't. Um, what is the thing? The, the voter 
So Georgia passed a bill or, or a law or something. They want you to show your ID to vote. And there's a bunch of other rumors out there that was in the bill. I don't oh, know, so that's so, why it got pulled. Oh, I so, thought it was like COVID reasons why no, they pulled it. MLB. Major League's like, well, we're going to pull pull this out. And Coca-Cola came out with some stuff. And like they don't like what they oh, did. Oh, okay. What y'all, did y'all see that stuff about the Coke? Be less white? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, this can't be real. I was like, okay, I see all these people yeah. posting it. I'm like, God damn, I gotta, I'm gonna Google this before I start commenting. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's real. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, but it was like a third party company they used for training and stuff like that. So uh, somebody probably hacked that shit and fucked them up like that. But I don't see anybody not drinking as much Coke though. Oh, yeah. So how are you doing all this traveling? And then, you know, at your, and in, in your personal life, you have a wife and a baby. Like, yeah. You know, so like, how is that affecting, like, well, in the last six six to eight weeks, I've been traveling more than I normally do. Um, because Memphis is not very open, I've been DJing um, more in Alabama and Mississippi and just getting what I can right now to kind of make up for the loss. Um, and then, But when summer starts, school's out of session. I'll probably be back to here a lot more. And, um, and then hopefully by the, by the fall, um, I'll just be leaving more for the bigger budget shows, less bar gigs. I mean, shit, man, you got a really understanding wife. <laughs> yeah, she gets to be a stay-at-home mom. She does real estate, but she just dabbles with oh, it. Oh, that's right. I did see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does she like but, being real estate? Yeah, yeah, she likes it. She just dabbles with it. She's not full in with it. Um, But when normally it's great because I only work three or four nights a week, and a lot of the time that's here, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday – like we're always together it's family you. time. So, and a lot of times I make it look like I'm out doing a bunch of stuff or maybe when I post things, I only post when I'm out. So it's like, Oh, he's always on the move, always doing stuff. You know? Yeah. What do you think about the Colorado Baker that's in trouble again? What are you talking about? Hmm? So, so do y'all remember a couple of years ago, the Baker that refused to make the oh, cake, the cake for the, um, I thought they went like bankrupt and lost all their. No, money. they're apparently not. Mm. So he's back in trouble. So back, like, what is it, six, seven years ago, he wouldn't make a cake for a gay couple, and now he won't make a cake for a transgender or a transgender mm. bad birthday or something. And I'm like, you, who cares if he doesn't want to make? My thing is, if he doesn't want to make the cake, he doesn't have to make. It's his. It's his business. They came to him asking for a cake. He said no. Move on. So right? this transgender person already knows this guy. Do you think they purposely went there? And try to just cause, cause a stir, yeah, or boost sales because everyone's like, "Oh, fuck that!" I'm just go help him, you know. Mm, yeah, uh, I don't know, what do you think? I don't think anything of it because <laughs> I didn't even know anything about <laughs> Did, it. Does that, isn't that guy in like Portland, Oregon? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, if it's a private business, they can pretty much do whatever they want to do. Like you can have your own views and have your opinions, and that's on you. I mean. You're obviously going to have other people that are going to judge you, but I mean, if that's the way you feel, that's the way you feel. Well, and just, it's not always popular opinion the way you feel. Yeah, like Coca-Cola came out and against this this bill that Georgia did, and that was their choice they made, and now people might not drink a little bit less Coke. We'll see. That might not be a bad thing because <laughs> yeah. it's poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like one Coke that's like the 20 ounce has like 89 grams of sugar and it's like this much sugar. Well, the best is when you see those videos about Coca-Cola and they're like, uses cleaning products. Oh, <laughs> like why are yeah. you putting that in your like fucking body? Like they put it in the sink and the yeah. toilet and shit and makes it really shiny. Like what the fuck? Yeah, that's not good. Like I, if anything that I put inside me outside of water is cleaning something, I, I don't mm-hmm. think I want it into me. You know, then we use alcohol. So what do y'all think about 
I, I know I talked about this on my solo and the one we did before that about the service industry situation with all the employees. Oh, we were yeah. talking to Jeremy um, uh, last night, you know, uh, at Rail Garden, and you know, we were just bullshitting and talking like I always do. And he was like, "You can't expect these people to come back to work, even though I'm sure I'm short a manager and a shitload of people. I can't expect them to come back to work unless I'm offering decent wage." Yeah. And he told us what he paid. You know, he's what he, he pays his uh, chefs and stuff like that, or cooks or whatever the fuck they're called. And they're making decent money now, or always have been. He said he's, he's always paid that. I was like, oh, that's fucking good. But then right down the street, or across the street, or whatever, or I don't want to, I don't want to say that those other places are paying low, but I don't, I don't know. Let's just say across the city, they're paying eight nine dollars. And then say the person making eight nine dollars gets a job at Amazon or FedEx, whatever package handler or unloading trucks. It's hard work. Don't get me wrong. But now they're making say five four hundred dollars a week. After after taxes and stuff, and they get insurance. Why is that person going to go back? Yeah, I don't know if they will. I think uh, you're. We're just got to train younger, new people into it. Right. So, do you think? Do you think they need to be paid more? Though, I think people should be paid more. Yeah, I guess I don't know what they get paid. So yeah, like so he was saying that some of these guys make next to no money. Uh huh. So he was like, "That's that." Well, that's, in the restaurant industry, isn't their markup only thirty percent though? Don't like the only like if you sell a burger for ten dollars, they're only making three dollars off of that, right? I think so, something like that. So it's hard to, but they make their money at the alcohol though. Yeah, because do. you know, I've been in a bar and I've paid six dollars for a sixteen ounce Bud Light, pint of Bud Light, and I'm thinking in my head, I was like, that is the most expensive beer I've ever had on draft because you know draft beer is usually cheap, mm-hmm. and then and I get my bill, it's like a hundred something dollars because I've had like seven of them and my meal and you know some shots or whatever. It's just like fuck, man. So that's where they're making the difference back yeah. up. So they're how, not. How do you feel like whenever you sell beer to a bar and then you go there later that and night buy it and back then- from them? <laughs> <laughs> so when I worked at the other one of the other company, I used to give this. I'm not going to say the bar's name. I used to give this other bar all this expired beer. I was like, hey man, I got six cases of whatever, right? It's expired. Just put, just pull it all, pull all the fresh beer out of your well. I mean, your deep well where they keep the beer, and put this expired beer there, and it'll be gone. It'll be good. Literally went to the bar. I gave it to him like on th- Tuesday or Wednesday. Went to the bar on Sunday with Tony for Sunday fun day. We were all hanging out. I just turned my neck of my bottle, look at the date. It's the expired beer I gave him. I'm like, I'm literally paying for something I just gave my friend for free. Uh, or like, maybe the guy you work for doesn't do his job. That could be, <laughs> yeah. That could be it too. That could be it too, because they probably blew through all that, because this is a really busy bar, you know, when I was working at the other place. But like, I was like, God damn, man. Like, and yeah, you're right. It's like, man, I know how much this costs. I you just I just sold it to you, man. It, this costs twelve dollars a case, and you're selling it for six dollars a unit. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? I remember we we got senses going on that college night. We would do um, until midnight. We'd pay like five or ten dollars to get in, but there'd be a dollar beer bust, and so these college people would pay a dollar and drink all they can drink till midnight, and then your hopes that they would spend their more money after that. <sighs> Well, I remember back so in, fucking cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in the day um, at the spot we used to do college night on Thursday, and we had one keg, and as soon as it busted, out of beer. We would uh, just say that we went through like fifty case uh, kegs yeah, or whatever, right? Yeah. And then people, I mean, it would be like ten thirty, mm-hmm. if that. And um, and you know who was in charge of that? JJ motherfucking Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> JJ would be like, "That's it, Raul." 
There's that's a, it. There's a bar DJ. I used to DJ at down in Oxford, um, and they have a Wednesday night concept uh, flip night. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. So you go to the bar and you order your drinks, normal price, but then before they give it to you, um, you flip a coin, and if you guess it right, you get your drinks for free. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Damn. Hell yeah. Do you know what party shots are? Yeah. Like, like the shot. Like, no. Tell me. Okay. Oh no, no, not like shot shots. Oh, okay. Like you know, so. Oh, like the photographers. Mm-mm. So okay. back in the day, they used. To, I'm. I think it's still around, but you know, obviously, I don't go to college. I don't go to like college night and stuff like that. But Party Shots is a company that created a, a substitute Jaeger. It tasted just like Jaeger. So, right. So no one knew the difference. So the first bottle that everyone's buying Jaeger bombs or, or straight shots of Jaeger for $4 on college night was actual Jaeger. And then when everyone got fucked up, they would, all these bars I worked at would pour party shots in the Jaeger bottle and then put it back in there. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew the difference. Was it alcohol in it? Yeah. So it's just a knockoff. So a case of, of so a case of Jägermeister, which is like you know the bottles like this big. There's a six of them, and it's like four hundred fifty dollars. This was twenty years ago, so I'm sure it's much more now. A case of party shots for eight bottles was one hundred and twelve dollars. Wow! And nobody knew the difference. You, you were telling me that one story, and cut me off if I'm not supposed to say this, but uh, you would sell like bars around town that people know. Like they'll buy the Bud Light kegs, and then they'll buy like six. Natty oh cakes. yeah, you can say this. Um, yeah. This is this is this this is across the board, not just Bud Light. Okay. It's um, it's so a lot of places will do this. Um, I don't know currently, but I do remember seeing this. Like you get one Bud Light keg or one Miller Light keg or whatever, right? And then your next five kegs or whatever they are are the cheap beer from Miller Coors or the cheap beer from Anheuser Busch. And so people it, just don't even notice. It don't even notice. It usually would be Rolling Rock. Or natural light on if it's Bud Light, or then it's going to be Keystone or Milwaukee's Best. What is uh, your advice for some people in life? Yeah, Ooh. um, I think in my DJ career, like I said, I was for a few years there, I was terrible DJ, um, but I was getting gigs, having success, and I think a lot of things in life, not just DJing, but is about relationships and just mm-hmm. being a genuine good person. Yeah, um, but yeah, just. I think relationships is the most important thing. I don't think sometimes I'll take gigs that mm-hmm. aren't the highest paid gig to build that relationship. Like I just went down to Troy, Alabama last night and Troy, Alabama is not a big market, but I've been in similar markets where I'm making good money now because I made an in- initial relationship with them. So okay. you smart, man. That's that's <laughs> very smart thinking. So like, and Troy is a very similar. So I was down there just kind of, and and it actually wasn't a huge night. It was a little bit slower night. Maybe it's because Easter weekend. Um, but they loved me, and they were like, they already gave me some more dates, and they want me to start sending other DJs down there and start doing rotations and stuff. And so I think just being a genuine, nice person and having good relationships with as many people as possible, networking. And you were talking to Kelly Potter a lot, and yeah. he's really good at all that, you know. And um, Because if, if you know, I get in a bind a couple of years down the road and – and I need job, you know, I don't have any money. If I have good relationships, I'll have a job. Yeah. That is true. That's what they say. One of the good things about being a fraternity mm-hmm. is that, because you can always have like a brother that can help you out later down, down the road or what have you. <clears throat> What's your advice for people, Tony? What's your advice for people? My, my advice is you can't be bitter and expect your life to be sweet. He's reading off his phone. <laughs> 
<laughs> Google. Google's <laughs> finest. <laughs> I didn't have anything prepared, so I was like, well, that, but I like this one. You yeah. can't be bitter and accept your life to be sweet. You know? So what are you doing to change your life? I'm not, not bitter. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm not a bird of... Bit, a bitter person. A bitter bitch? <laughs> Battered bitch. <laughs> I don't know. Do you don't have any advice? Are you going to read gonna, something? I want to ask you a question. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, uh, well. you, He can answer this too if you want to. But what are you choosing? Are you a boxers or brief guy? Boxers or briefs? Yeah. Like whitey tighties. Oh. 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 Boxers. <laughs> That's like why do tidies all day long? But okay, what, man. Like, when are you gonna switch over? It's no, twenty twenty one. Boxer briefs, bitch. You told me the other day you when were in whitey tidies. Actually, white too. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> okay, because like after a week, like they're gonna have stains and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> These are blue, actually, on today. But um, no, like. Like, who are you, Greg Luganis? I mean, what, what are you fucking doing? Oh, you see my Greg Luganis picture when I was a little kid. I'm like, like this in front of a TV with nothing but a whitey tidies on. I'm like, it's great. But no. Um, Why have you not made the switch, man? To what? Boxer Reese is like a combination of both. It's the perfect yeah. thing. That's what man. I use. No, you don't. I have that in my room. That's what, <laughs> that's what my mom's like. Yours look like panties, man. No, fuck you. <laughs> That's what I have in my room. The fucking banana ones and the uh, okay. The, the your okay. This is Donald. He has like I have going out two good pair of underwear. And the rest <laughs> have like holes. Like he has period panties. Like they have holes in them and shit. I'm like, what are you doing? You're a grown man and you have money. Yeah. There's no reason to have holes but in your underwear. I am annoyed how expensive guys boxers are compared to girls. It is kind of pricey. It definitely is kind of pricey. Like Target to get a good quality, you're spending ten bucks and yeah. you have to have like thirty of them. You know, like. Well, not that many, but you had to have... Man, you know. like, to go into Target, there's no way of coming out cheap. No way there's of coming no, out because cheap. Unless you, oh, you just walk in. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, I like that, you know? Or you forget your wallet, and you're not going to spend shit. But, like, but then you might have it on your phone, so you're just like, deet, deet. But, like, dude, it's fucking... You know who stepped their clothes up, clothing up? It's Walmart. The Foreman. What is it, George Foreman? It's called George on the tag. Mm. They got some really good shit. Mm-hmm. Walmart stepped their really? game up on clothing. I noticed that Target had done that for a while yeah, ago. Target so I guess maybe they kind of leaned yeah, into that. Comparing to Target. Mm. Tr- more trendy stuff, more fitted stuff. Well, you remember when we were kids, we, we didn't want to be caught in like a Walmart yeah. t-shirt or... Man, if I would have known what I know now about like clothes and stuff like that, I would not have gave a fuck. Because mm-hmm. I remember I'd go to the buckle, buy some shit and <laughs> like, I don't have any money, but I'm trying to impress people yeah. that I don't give a fuck. Fucking rhinestones on your jeans. <laughs> you make $250 a week and you yeah. spend 175 on jeans. Oh, God, yeah. man. My buddy Billy, uh, he was a manager at Buckle for like, I'm oh, no, sorry, he was an employee and then he was a manager. I think he worked there for like nine, like 12 years. Like if you're good at it, some of them are making good money. Yeah. Because you got like a cut or percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, they weren't like commission based, but they, they, if you sold, like if their store performed well, like the top people got, you know, because they typed a number in or something. I don't know. You, no advice? No, um, you're not going to read anything? Do I have some advice for people? Now, I got another question, though. Mm. What is something you're comfortable watching with a stranger, but not in front of your friends or family? Oh, shit. Um, Epic, you go first. Oh, I don't want to watch something with like a bunch of sex scenes or something like that. Before my, before yeah. my mom. Like, I could watch that with, like, say, whoever, like somebody like the movie theater or something. Yeah. But I'm not going to watch that with my mom or my dad or my my family or anything like that. Yeah. It's just weird. What's weird about it? 
why am I watching that with my mom? That's, <laughs> I didn't say like hardcore porn. I know, well, I know. But you, was, well, you think your mom's like, are you, why, why are you looking at that? Like, <laughs> you know, because my, I already told you, my mom fast forwards like, like when I used to sit at home with my parents, like when I worked at Ajax, um, I'd be on my route and my route was pretty cake, right? So I'd be done my route by like 10 and 1030 in the morning every day. And I'd go sit at my parents' house for like three, four hours because it was in Cordova. And, uh, and, um, I'd, my mom would literally watch nothing but Indian TV, right? Indian TV shows. And every time there was like, they were going to maybe, you know, they don't, and on Indian TV, like broadcast TV, they, they don't kiss or anything like that, you know, but it's suggestive, right? So you know what they're going to, mom was like, fast forward, fast forward. My dad's sitting there being all pissed off and shit. Like, he's like, I, he's like, I'm gonna watch cricket in my room. Leave me alone. Cause you always, we can't even know what's going on in the show anymore because you always fast forward everything. I read my question wrong. My actual question I wrote down was, uh, what is something you are comfortable watching a stranger do, but not your friends or family? Mm. Mine would be porn. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see my family fuck, but I can oh, watch some strangers yeah. fuck. You know what I'm saying? We do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, mm. But no, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I have anything. Uh, let me see the last thing I posted on Instagram. Like, inspirational. Oh, Michelle. I don't need you correcting my pronunciation. How do you know words. it was her? Or she hit you up. She hit me up. <laughs> so two weeks ago, I made a thing saying, episode 64, live now. She goes, it's not live because it's not recorded. It's oh. recorded. <laughs> I was like, fuck off. And then yesterday, she hit me up saying, it's ketosis. I was like, fuck it. Who cares? And she was just like, I was like no one cares. I'll play, the, I'll play a clip. The end result, not the process. They, the end result is what they see, and they emulate that. Well, Kobe scored that 61. That day, he was practicing. He practiced his whole life. Are you willing to put in that sort of commitment? I think that's true. I think a lot, especially with social media, everybody sees the glitz and the glamour, and they think, oh, man, I want that, I want that, but they don't realize what you did to get to where you're at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I think a lot of people are not patient. You know, I think, like, if you were to see where you're at today, you'd be like, as maybe a younger person, I mean, I don't want to get to that where that guy's at, but you don't realize all the pitfalls and all the steps mm-hmm. and all the missteps you possibly had to get to who DJ yeah. Epic is today. The, the amount of no's I hear from trying to get gigs, you know. Yeah. Constantly. And I think a lot of people are not comfortable with rejection. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this just like that, then we'll wrap it up. Like, when someone sees a successful business, they're like, oh, I can knock that off. But they don't realize how hard it was for that person or that family or whatever, that owner to get to where they are with have multiple storefronts selling whatever X product or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you don't know the work that's required. You don't even know how to do what they do. You know, you can't hire everybody to do everything for you kind of thing. You know, it's like, just, it's like they said, the people that the bitch about Mark Zuckerberg stole Facebook. It's like, maybe he got the idea, but, the people that had it before, where they take it to where he got it to. Yeah. Would he have met the guys from Napster that helped well, get to yeah. where it's at today? Probably you know, not. It's like it, it's a domino effect. Yeah. All these pieces come together. I heard a quote too that like nothing's new in the world; everything's copied from something else. It's true, man. Like everybody has some idea, and they're like, "That's my idea." Because I mean, we all are on the same kind of wavelength on something, man. Like we don't know how we're all intertwined, but there's some like similar parallel thinking. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast, man. No, it's, uh, I, was, I, was, I thought you didn't have anything inspirational to say. That was really good, Tony. Good job. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? No, I was, you know, supporting y'all from the beginning, and I reached out to Raul about doing it, and I appreciate y'all having me. I'm happy y'all have had success with this. Oh, well, I hope we do, too. Yeah. We're getting well, there. I mean, yeah, I mean you know, every like month we're having great success, you know. 
Yeah, it's I don't see a, your numbers, but I can just tell. It's just a process, man. It's like just keep keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Well, and y'all been doing some. Um, y'all got some great shows on here. Uh, you know, I remember the Laddie thing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Kelly Potter. I texted you. And I told you that was a great one. And then um, Toy Who Dat. I remember when you. did Oh that, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I liked her. She was good. And your Portland friend. I love her. Oh, show. Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Or Montgomery. Michelle. I remember that bike story. That was stolen. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh god. Well, I appreciate it, man. We love you lots. Bye.